I have been having lots and lots of fun with a delightful, crazy new book called This Book Isn't Safe, which is by Colin Furs. And I hope that you know the name Colin Furs from his uh, exciting and uh, sometimes sort of wacky presence on YouTube. Uh, He is known as the inventor of all kinds of absolutely crazy and wonderful devices. And uh, he has become a a YouTube sensation uh, with over 5 million subscribers to his YouTube channel. A five-time Guinness World Record holder, thanks to uh, some of the inventions and innovations that he has uh, created, like the uh, do-it-yourself Wolverine claws or the alarm clock ejector bed, uh, all kinds of wonderful things. And now there is a book in which you can get to know this this uh, uh, this inventor and uh, be sort of taken behind the scenes of these uh, wonderful uh, YouTube videos that have taken the whole world by storm. Uh, the book is full of all kinds of illustrations and photographs uh, that give the background on a number of his favorite inventions and spells out 10 crazy inventions that you or someone you love can create at home. Uh, The book, again, is called This Book Isn't Safe, and uh, it's published by Razorbill, which is a division of Penguin Random House. And I'm excited to be able to spend the next few minutes talking with its author, Colin Furs. Colin Furs, we welcome you to the morning show. How are we doing? Pleased to be here. I'm glad to be talking with you. Uh, You are speaking uh, to us from... uh, your home someplace north of London. Tell us a little bit about where you live. Uh, a little place called Stamford. Uh, population, I think, is about 20,000. I've not counted counted everybody personally, but I've been told it's roughly that. It's a, it's a small town. It's a typical British town. It's quite an old town, actually. Uh, the centre of it is all made of stone and everything. And We've got, we've got old not, uh, churches and bits and bobs. It's a very nice place to live. And apparently a very nice place to uh, do this crazy inventing. I have to ask you, what do the neighbors think of all this? <laughs> uh, their opinion of it goes up and down, depending on the size of the invention. Some of the bigger ones have not been too uh, pleased with them, some of the noisier ones as well. But other than that, uh, they're all fully supportive of it, really, and, uh, and get quite interested in it. And sometimes even come up with ideas, which is quite funny, really, because you think they've come up with an idea, and I'm thinking, you do know I'm going to be building that like six foot away from your lounge. <laughs> so, but, uh, but, yes, it's all good. It's all good. And this is your hometown, if I remember correctly, from kind of the biographical information that's part of your uh, delightful book. And uh, you tell us that this interest in tinkering and building things has been a part of who you are from almost the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, as a child, I was a typical child. I used to like yeah, building and making stuff out of Lego and Meccano. And I, I used to live next door to a quarry, actually, or, or woods and a, a dump sort of thing. So you could go up there, we could build dens and things like that. And, of course, after, after school, I went on to become a plumber, which is a very practical job. So all through my life, you know, it's always been about, you know, creating stuff, you know, whether that be sticking bathroom suites in or, or building dens. And, and then, you know, my extra extracurricular activity, what I used to do in my spare time, once I started filming it and putting it on YouTube, obviously got really successful. And that's kind of what, what it's done in the direction it has. But, yes, always been a practical person. Um, how many videos have you made for YouTube? I 
didn't take the time to literally or manually count them, but I was flabbergasted at how many videos I was paging past. Have you counted? Yeah, I I could tell you the exact number. It's 221, (laughs) which is, in some terms for YouTube channel, that's not very many. But uh, but considering that most of them is things that I've made, uh, then that is quite a lot. What was the very, very first uh, invention that you made for a YouTube video? The, the first one which was properly constructed for something to go onto YouTube. I mean, we did this wall of death, which was a ring of pallets. I don't know if, uh, if they call it a wall of death in the, in the States, where you ride a motorcycle on the inside uh, of a drum and you stick to the side. Now, I wouldn't class this as an invention as such, but it was a project which was built, the entire process of it was filmed and uploaded online. Um, so that was kind of the first real project where I recorded the whole process because before, because I was doing this in my spare time as a bit of fun, you know, sometimes you'd only film, you know, the bit of it working or, or you know, at the end bit, the results, so to speak. But, but I find my online audience, they like to see the build process, let's see how I got there. And that's, and, and by doing that, that's partly why I've been inspiring young kids and people to try and get into making things for myself, which is the main reason why I ended up doing this book. So that's kind of how it all links in, basically. Right. Was it your idea or maybe one of your buddies who said, you know, you would be a natural to uh, to uh, do this on a, on a YouTube video and share this with the world? I mean... Uh, what prompted you to kind of take that leap to to from just outside of your own little shed uh, into uh, this really public arena? It came about of a, of a few things really because uh, I used to ride BMX bikes when I was a bit younger, and with that we used to film ourselves riding, and that's kind of where I developed like the video making skills, you know, how editing, putting it together, how to how to film stuff. So I already, I already knew how to do that. And then in my spare time, we, you know, we started messing around. Some of it was making stuff. Some of it was just doing pranks sort of things. And, and I'd put all that on a VHS tape, and that used to get passed around the neighborhood. And, and then somebody told me about YouTube, and I thought, oh, this is kind of just like a glorified version of my VHS tape. So I thought, okay, you know, I've already got some video stuff. So I chopped little pieces out that was on that VHS tape and uploaded them as individual uh, clips. And then that's I kind of got hooked on it then, really, because, I mean, I, I, you know, I am a bit of a show-off, I suppose. I think anybody in the media has got to be, really, or else it wouldn't be for them. And and seeing, you know, all these comments coming in, it was like kind of being able to visually see the reactions that I couldn't see when I passed the videotape around. I'd just get people coming up to me going, oh, we saw you, you know, saw that VHS, it was brilliant. So that, you know, and accompanied with, you know, being able to have the wider world been able to see it, and also... Uh, with the building aspect of things, I used to make things in my bedroom, but once my dad passed away, I could get in his shed because he didn't used to let me in his shed. So I, I don't know why. I'm quite a tidy person. Um, and so all this happened that kind of like when YouTube first started in itself, they uploading, snipping these bits up, and then it kind of just took off, really. I, I could see that people liked seeing, you know, things being built, things working, and you kind of, I suppose you work to what your audience likes, really, and I like doing it, and, you know, so I just kept making more and more and more, and, and now it's become my job, so, which, well, it's not really a job, is it? Because, I mean, everyone just thinks I, I sit at home all day and mess around, and I suppose in theory I do, really. Um, I mean, making videos is quite hard work, but it's you know it is still bettered around. Mm-hmm. I I like the spread in the book uh, 
in which you pose the question and then answer, is being a YouTuber easy? And you kind of uh, ex- explain how it probably looks a lot easier than in fact it is, but in some ways it is also easy and tremendous fun. By the way, uh, as you're answering this question, you, you uh, explain that you are exceptionally uh, popular in Germany. And uh, uh, explain to our listeners at least one reason why that might be. <laughs> <laughs> one potential reason why the Germans find me fascinating is because Furs, if you uh, if you say it as as Furz, Furzer, it's fart. So of course, to a German person, I am Mister Fart. You know, with the crazy inventions, uh, and you can imagine as a child that's highly amusing. You know, who is this person? You know, constantly re- referred to as Colin Fart. You know, and he's got all these wacky inventions. So you know. I, every now and again, if I go over there, I will play on that fact because it, I suppose it makes people remember me a bit more. Um, as, a, as a young child, I probably wouldn't have liked that too much, but, you know, at 38 years old, it doesn't really bother me now. <laughs> For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with Colin Furs, and perhaps you know him from the hundreds of YouTube videos that he has created in which we watch him uh, design and construct and then demonstrate for us uh, all kinds of crazy inventions. And he has just created a uh, new book, a delightful book called This Book Isn't Safe, in which he not only takes us behind the scenes of his uh, crazy YouTube videos, but also spells out 10 crazy inventions uh, that the reader can do at home. I'm wondering what sort of a leap that was. Uh, in terms of of trying to come up with inventions that would make sense for somebody at home to attempt, because that's kind of a different thing from the the sort of wacky things that just spring out of your own imagination that that you could build and safely build, uh, versus setting out possibilities for somebody at home, uh, maybe without your experience or your skill set or, or or whatever. Just tell us a little bit about how you thought about uh, what these home inventions for the reader should be. I kind of approached it from from a few different angles, really. I I tried to make sure that all the materials were accessible because I thought there's no point in in thinking of an invention that, you know, one of the components to it is really rare or difficult to get hold of or super expensive. So... Before I even started, you know, to think of stuff, you kind of thought of a load of bits of material which were very easy and cheap to get hold of. Um, And then you kind of had to make sure that even if you didn't have a shed, you know, if you were somebody like me that had to make stuff in their bedroom or something like that, that some of them would still be possible um, because not everyone has, you know, an amazing setup at home. If you live in a a high-rise flat, for instance, um, you haven't even got a backyard to go and do stuff in. So I was thinking, is there anything that people could do in that sort of situation? So, you know, easy materials, uh, materials you can get hold of, you know, accessible to everybody, uh, nice and cheap as well, because obviously not many people have got loads of money to throw at these things. And then and then just for them to build up in stages of difficulty. So you could do the first one pretty easily with, with barely any you know building ability or anything and then each project would add a different skill no matter how small it was you know it could be chopping wood it could be putting screws into wood tightening nuts up but each each project would escalate in a in an order so you know you could do them all in order and, and build your confidence gradually because i think the main thing with people you know that want to get into creating stuff and building stuff is they can take on a too big a project straight away 
and then get a little bit disheartened and then your confidence can take a knock. So it was making sure that everything kind of followed on from each other. And then by the time you've done all 10, you can look back and think, well, I've chopped metal, I've cut wood, I've screwed it, I've bolted it. You know, you could look at so many other things and think, well, I could make that now because it's just, you know, a collaboration of all those skills. Mm. And uh, and it sets them on a course to, to keep doing this on their own with their own innovations and ideas. I, exactly. I, I want you to spell out the very first of these 10, which uh, in some respects is my favorite, the concrete crusher boots. <laughs> but but I, ahead of that, I want you to uh, talk about words we see at the top of this very first page uh, when we see uh, these words. You might need to try this a couple of times to get it right. And I so appreciate yeah. that those words are there because uh, I think you're speaking to practicality and reality and also the fact that probably a, a lot of youngsters and a few adults I know as well uh, need to develop uh, some resiliency, some persistence, uh, to not just give up at the the first failure or the first thing that doesn't go quite right, I suspect that's maybe kind of a, a hidden benefit to some of these projects. Yeah, you, you know, anyone that expects to do something first time and it work, I mean, you can get lucky. It it, it could do that, but a lot of things that I make need you know needs to be tweaked. Things need to be remade, and I think it's. It's a skill in life that I think you need to, you know, that you need to reinforce to people that failure is not a, you know, it's not a, a bad thing sort of thing. That the, what's worse is not trying in the first place. And even if it does fail or something doesn't work, I mean, as many times we've all been creating stuff, the process of getting there has often thrown up something or you've learned something along the way that you could put into something else. For instance, so you know, you might make something that doesn't work, but halfway through, it, you think, well, actually, if we chop it off and put this bit on there, it will do something else and, and create, you know, a, a different project. But you would have never have known that if you hadn't started. So yeah, you know, I, I don't want people to, that to, to try stuff, it not work, and then think, oh, you know, I'm useless, I can't do it. So you know, those little words there are to just help people along because I, you know, things I make don't always work. You do also say uh, that if it is a young reader who is attempting this, that adult supervision uh, is a good idea. <laughs> so, t- so tell our listeners about the concrete crusher boots, sort of what they look like, sort of how they get made. Well, the concrete crusher, well, is this is the first thing, uh, the first project in the book. And I kind of thought, we've all got an old pair of wellies. And to mix up concrete, you know, you can go and buy a bag of ready-mixed mortar from your local hardware store. Uh, I mean, some of it is even already mixed up in the bag. You don't even have to have the sand and the cement mix. You just have to add water, mix it up. Uh, you basically kind of uh, put your wellies in a bag. And by the um, way, you need to translate that for uh, these Midwestern Americans listening to you when you say wellies. Uh, Wellington, uh, what would you call Wellington boots? Well, just um, kind of, yeah, rubber boots of some kind, and maybe some of our more astute listeners know what those are, but... Uh, Right, uh, so kind of rubber rain boots, I guess, would be a good way to yeah, think yeah. it. Yeah, sort yeah, of, the sort of uh, footwear you'd put out if you went out in, uh, in some deep puddles. Not waders like fishing people, you know, they don't come up to your, up to your, uh, your belly or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, those, those style of boots. And, uh, and, and essentially, you, you put them in a bag, you uh, support them off the ground a little bit, so you just put, like, some little cardboard rolls just underneath the soles, so the, uh, the the concrete or the cement, whatever you call it, can flow all the way around it. And then you, you, you basically shape them 
so it, you know, so it still looks like a shoe. And then this is the bit where you can experiment as well, because you can add stuff to the cement if you want to try and make it a little bit stronger. This is to try and teach people, you know, kind of about fibres. You know, you could put you could put staples, pins, you could put bits of string, bits of cotton, just different ways of binding the cement together to make it stronger. Just you know, just another one of those things to think about while you're making it. But I thought it's nice and easy. You've only got to mix some stuff up. You can get in a bit of a mess. Leave it in the bag. Let it set. Once it's set, take the bag off. Stick the wellies back on, and then you can get some, you know, old toys. You can get, you know, cans and whatnot, and you can just stamp away and crush it. And even if, even if you can't do that, because depending on how big you are, the wellies might be too heavy and you can't walk. And then it just pins you to the ground, and that's even, that's quite funny as well. The uh, next door neighbour's kid uh, that we tried it out, and he couldn't move anywhere with it, but he was laughing, <laughs> he absolutely laughing his head off. And his, bro- his brother that had helped made it just thought it was brilliant that he pinned pinned his. Uh, his brother to the floor using these shoes. So there's, there's, you know, it's just a lot of fun, basically. All the projects are just meant to be fun. Absolutely. So things like the Mega Milk Bottle Raft or the Fab Frisbee Flinger uh, and uh, uh, on and on. One thing I really appreciate, too, is that uh, amidst all of the kind of wacky fun of this book, uh, you don't neglect to, for instance, explain to a young reader how to saw wood how to drill wood, how to measure, how to tighten nuts, how to uh, screw a screw into wood. Uh, I suspect a lot of people putting a book together like this might not necessarily take the time to do that. But if you don't have those kind of skills, uh, none of these uh, crazy inventions can possibly get made. No, I mean, this, this, this is the point of it, really. It starts right at the very beginning. So, you know, anybody out there that really, you know, is, is either not practical or wants to be practical you know you can't leave those things untold uh, i mean it might for some people be really obvious do you know what i mean like where to drill you know to, to screw into wood but a lot of people they'll you know drill too close to the edge or tighten things up they'll split the wood uh, and even just sawing wood as well you know how to mark it and measure it. it it for some people comes very naturally but for others it doesn't so you kind of i've had to cover that to make sure that you know nobody feels left out sort of thing because you know the, the whole point of this book in my eyes is to get people to make stuff and they're more likely to make stuff if if all the information's there and they actually achieve something but you've only got to make one thing and then you want to make something else it's just getting you know getting people to complete one project and then their kind of their confidence hopefully will, will, will do the rest for them if i remember correctly you have at least one child I think we see some. I have two now. Okay. So, <laughs> so what do they make of this, and uh, what kind of inspiration and/or help are they to you? Uh, well, Jake, my son, he's the eldest. He's five. My daughter, one and a half, is she's too young to really uh, to understand it all yet. And and to be fair, Jake's starting to uh, just starting to get to the grips with the fact that we're. But more people, you know, everybody knows who I am in the town because that's quite strange for a five-year-old. Um, but he's good. He's got his own little workbench in my uh, in my shed, and uh, and he's 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 starting to get a lot more into it actually, and produce his own ideas as well. He's coming up to me, oh, Daddy, can you make this? Can we try and make that? And um, and just getting him to hold screwdrivers and screws. You know, I've had him putting bits of screws in wood and stuff like that with a little cordless drill and stuff. So so it's all going good. Um, so yeah, he's 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 getting into it. I think in another couple of years, I should start getting worried. He'll <laughs> be in there all the time, making a mess and doing all sorts of things. But, you know, I encourage that. So, 
I'm sure you do. In the meantime, we encourage people to seek out this uh, delightful book of yours called This Book Isn't Safe. It's published by Razorbill, a division of Penguin Random House, and the author, Colin Furs. And, of course, you can also check out Colin Furs uh, on YouTube, where you will find literally hundreds of videos that he has created uh, showing him uh, building and demonstrating uh, his uh, incredible inventions. Colin Furs, this has been really fun to speak with you, and very best wishes uh, to you with all of the inventing yet to come. Thank you very much. Much appreciated.